Let me ask you, uh, Mr. Justice, about your court philosophy. It seems to me that most people recognize that you are what's called a strict constructionist. You believe in original intent. I want to ask you about those founding fathers. People in the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, believe that the Constitution was divinely inspired. Many of us come from other religions have a very devout notion about our founding documents. What do you think set that period of American history apart that we would find ourselves with people like James Madison, Jefferson, Franklin? Do you ever think about those men and why they were so much better, it seems, than the, that comes along year by year? <laughs> Uh, let, me, let me make a, a clarification first. I am not a strict constructionist. I never use that term. I think strict constructionists give a bad name to those of us who are originalists. Um, the Constitution should not be construed strictly. It should not be construed sloppily. It should be construed reasonably. If, if you were a strict constructionist, you would presumably think that Congress has the authority to censor handwritten mail in as much as all that the First Amendment protects is the freedom of speech and of the press. A handwritten letter being neither speech nor press, uh, it, it may be said, of course, that's not what the First Amendment means. Speech and press are, are stand-ins for the, for the full range of human expression. And it doesn't matter whether the expression is in handwriting or semaphore or Morse code or burning a flag, so long as it's your own flag, which is why I was on that side of the opinion. So I'm not a strict instructionist. I also don't believe in original intent. I, that, that is not what I look for. Uh, other than that, it was a good description of my philosophy. Uh, uh, I'm going to love this. <laughs> so why is cross burning different than flag burning? Why is cross burning different from flag burning? Uh, the st uh, it isn't different from flag burning. If you burned a flag with the intent of provoking a riot, you could, you could be prosecuted. The, uh, the cross-burning case that we had recently was a Virginia statute which made it unlawful to burn a cross with the intent to intimidate. So that's, that's different. But coming back to original intent, I don't care what the, you know, what the secret intent of the framers was. If, if, they, if they, they said, you know, we're going to say up when we really mean down, just, be, just among right. us, you know, it's, it's their problem. Uh, we, we are a government, of, as, as, as the famous uh, saying is, which comes from the old Massachusetts Constitution that was in existence when the framers were working, uh, we are a government of laws, not of men. We are governed by, by laws. Why by, were those men so laws. uniquely brilliant at that time? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, th think, that, I think the Constitution was, uh, was providential, as many of the framers did. I, there, there are just certain eras of history when, when I don't know, but just, just flare-ups of genius occur in, in, uh, you know, in various areas. In, Greece in, in 400 uh, BC or in uh, Quinquecento Florence in, in different fields of human endeavor. And in the field of political science, uh, the, the late 18th century in the United States was just an extraordinary era. These, these people really, really understood uh, what, what Madison called, and, and, and he told all of, all of the attendees at the Grand Convention of 1787, he said, we are engaged in the new science of politics, the new science. I mean, and they were good at it. They really were. You say you're not a strict constructionist, so I guess that means like, even though the Constitution didn't provide for the raising of an air force, 
because that would have been of course, unimaginable right. back in the right, 18th right, century. Right. That would have been implied. But you also are, are known to be a person who keeps a dictionary from the 18th century so that you can understand the language of the times. Right. I mean, that, 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 just, just, means, <laughs> that just means that I, I do believe myself constrained by the text, not by a strict construction of the text, but by a reasonable interpretation of the text. So I do not feel free to, uh, to find in the Constitution um, uh, rights that are, that are simply not expressed there. What do you think the phrase pursuit of happiness meant at the time? What it means today? <laughs> I, I don't deal with that phrase in as much as it's, you don't think it's in the Constitution, do you? I guess it's in the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that it, wouldn't be in your... It, uh, it your... would have been a good question, though. <laughs> Let's talk about the cases that have made history. And the cases that have made history seem to me either implied or not implied. And that is, of course, what makes the role of the Supreme Court so powerful. The uh, Brown case of 54, the uh, recognition that separate but equal is a, <clears throat> a conundrum. Uh, the uh, Roe v. Wade case, 73. Th it seems like all the groundbreaking cases involve arguments over what's implied. Would there be any groundbreaking cases if we were of your philosophy? I'm getting tough. Oh, uh, sure. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of important Would you have voted for the cases. Brown majority? I probably would have because, uh, you know, I'm, I am first of all a textualist. I first of all advert to the text. And I think I would have agreed with Justice Harlan's dissent in Plessy versus Ferguson that you cannot say that you are not denying equal protection of the laws to, to a particular race when you require that race to ride in a separate railroad car, which is what Plessy versus Ferguson involved. So I think I would have been with the majority in Brown. But that's not the point. I mean, uh, I will stipulate that if you adopt a philosophy of, oh, don't worry about the text of the Constitution, let's just do what, you know, do good things. You know, if, if, there, if you think there ought to be a right to an abortion, let's create it. I will stipulate that if you adopt that philosophy, you can do some good things. I mean, you can do some good things if, if, if you're king. Uh, that's not the test of a sound constitutional philosophy, whether you can achieve some good things. A stopped clock is right twice a day. I love that. Uh, a living constitution, what does that phrase mean to you? It, it sends me into paroxysms of... Uh, The, the living constitution, I, I have grammar school kids who come to the court that, that I talk to now and then, and, and uh, they recite that very proudly. They've been taught, the constitution is a living document, they've been taught to say. You know, it's, <laughs> and you say, no, it's dead. That's right, right. That's, that's, that's my problem. That's my problem. I am, I am trying to sell the dead constitution. It's, uh, it's, uh, I want to get uh, some questions from uh, young men and women here who have come to talk to the Justice, uh, Mr. Justice Scalia. This is an honor for me, and I want to share it very quickly. So why don't you line up with some questions? Where are you going to line up with questions? 
Who's ready? Come forth. Come on. Join in. Hello, my name is Davin Quinn. I'm at Harvard Medical School. My question is, um, under the Patriot Act legislation, do you think that there's going to be an increase in uh, racial profiling by law enforcement agencies, and is this allowable? I, um, I, cannot, I will take any question, but I will not answer any question. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the Patriot Act is going to come before my court, and I should not comment on, on what my view of its constitutionality is. As for what its consequences will be, I, you know, I have, I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs>